0: And I said to my team, keep things under control. And instead, they wrap it around a tree. I mean, no, I'm kidding. But I mean, what the heck just happened? For those of you who thought the financial crisis of 2008 was the end of bank failures, we just got ice-cold Gatorade dumped on our heads Friday, March 10th. A bank called Silicon Valley Bank, which has been sort of, I call it the lender of both first and last resort for tech startups, but they they lent to a lot of different companies. It collapsed after a run on the bank. Okay, that means when a bunch of depositors get scared and they jump in and they say, I want my money out. Now, banks cannot withstand billions of dollars being pulled out in the blink of an eye, and that's what happened. Then two days later a totally separate bank, signature bank, as part of what bankers and the world who watches these kinds of things calls contagion, it failed. And a whole bunch of other same size type of banks as Silicon Valley Bank, or they're called regional banks, all started to dramatically drop. Their stock prices began imploding and the whole thing became what we call an S show. Okay, I sat there and I said, how could this happen and what happened? Guess what? We're going to explain it all thanks to my guest today. He's Chris Whalen. He's both a bank investor. I mean, decades. He gets this entire industry. He's also a brilliant risk analyst. I've known him for years. And I said, get in front of the mic with me and explain what the hell happened. Chris, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Liz. I appreciate it.
0: Silicon Valley Bank. Why did it collapse?
1: Bad risk management. You know, their their forte is lending to little startups. They bank them very well, high touch. They keep their money safe. They do all the basic things that a startup does. They lend to them. They arrange private equity financing. They also keep options. So at times, the bank has been quite profitable. They have a little equity kicker. But they apparently decided to go long mortgage-backed securities.
0: Explain what that is.
1: This is where uh, the government finances your mortgage. They put a whole bunch of mortgages together and sell them to investors. Okay.
0: just This is reminiscent Uh, of 2007.
1: Exactly. And interest rates went up, and the price of the securities went down, and voila, the bank was insolvent. That's how it works. It's like, remember, it's a wonderful day when they lost the money? Well, in this case, you know, a wonderful life. In this case, the money disappeared because of the market. This
0: is a bank that literally days ago won And was named one of Forbes' best banks. And there isn't, or there wasn't, a single banking analyst who had a sell rating. Nope. And they were being honored and accolades floating all over the place on them.
1: Investment-grade ratings from Moody's. Are you serious? None of the rating agencies have reacted to any of the Fed's interest rate tightening yet.
0: Okay. And then within a blink of an eye, suddenly they must have realized... Mm, we need to raise some some money <laughs> because let let's do this in the broader scheme of things because people are listening at all different points of time on this to this podcast. They also had a bunch of bonds, treasury bonds, on their books, mm-hmm. but they had bought them a long time ago yes. with lower yields, very low. Okay, then you get a lot of these startups in a little bit of trouble because the economy is slowing down. Exactly, interest rates are going up, so maybe they started pulling their money out in a more calm way, maybe a month or two ago. So SVB says, what? We're going to sell some of these bonds to raise cash? Yes. What's wrong with that?
1: It illustrated their weakness to the market. That's what it did. It put blood in the water. And the short sellers who were already after the bank uh, saw that loss, and then they came after them, and the bank collapsed. See, when you get people taking money out of a bank, I don't care how good the bank is, it fails. They just can't adjust when 10 or 20% of depositors walk out the door.
0: Well, in a single day, yes. $42 billion, for those of you who don't know, was pulled out of this this maybe little-known bank outside of Silicon Valley. We used to have the CEO on a lot. Yep. What about the theory that, I mean, why can't a bank be allowed to sell some bonds to shore up cash? Isn't that what they're supposed to be doing?
1: Yes, but the second reason for the bank's failure, other than mismanagement, which I think is the primary reason, was the Fed and the, you know, the rapid interest rate increases, mm-hmm. which some banks just couldn't adjust to. They couldn't hedge. Uh, they were caught off guard. And as other banks in this predicament, Silicon Valley Bank was the worst. They were among large banks. They were probably the biggest outlier, as we call it in the risk world. They were sticking out here, and everybody could see it. And they were punished as a result. You know, it's really sad sad.
0: in many ways, I think, because they were the bank in a world of no's. Like, no, I'm not going to lend to you. No, I'm not going to lend to you. That's right. They said yes. And many of the companies to whom they lent – Grew up in a great society like America mm-hmm. to become, the, you know, the Ubers of the world and the, the you know, the big companies that mm. we all know now.
1: But think of it this way, Liz. I think to help your uh, listeners understand what's going on, since 2008, the Fed has been printing money. They've been buying bonds. They've been subsidizing the Treasury, and they've been just adding a lot of cash to the market
0: and free money because free money. interest rates were zero
1: or zero. In this environment, a lot of businesses did very well. Tech companies, startups, even banks that not really normally wouldn't be terribly competitive. So Silicon Valley, just banks, the Valley community. Signature Bank, banks, local businessmen, the Jewish community, multifamily real estate in New York City, especially rent controlled real estate in New York City. So these are two banks that had very focused businesses. And as soon as they get hit, With a lot of macro risk, interest rates, the economy, all of this, they become unstable.
0: Okay, so Signature Bank now gone, underwater, doors
1: locked. Big big problem for New York City.
0: What happens to people who banked there? Now, the good news for depositors is that the FDIC... Yeah. is making them entirely whole, even beyond what they normally insure, which is $250,000 Correct. per account. Okay, I, I went through the financial crisis. I remember spreading out all of my finances through different accounts so that each account had less than $250,000. And because I was worried, not that I have that much money, but the fact is that it's not just Signature and SVB right now. We watch as a lot of the regional bank shares started going dramatically down. But they are not even anywhere near Silicon Valley. Why would a First Republic uh, be stretched? Why would a Western Alliance Bank be stretched or a West?
1: It's a combination of their relatively small size Mm -hmm. compared to the top 20 banks, for example. And it's also, I think, a function of the fact that there there are stories behind each one. First Republic is basically a a small version of Charles Schwab. It's a high-touch bank, not particularly profitable, but very nice. They cater to a high net worth clientele but really they're not a terribly profitable bank. Western Alliance is a wholesale bank that was involved in the mortgage business. Obviously, the mortgage business is kind of down on its luck now that interest rates are up. There's virtually, you know, we're running at 10% of the lending we were doing in 2020 when the Fed was giving away money, right? right? So both of these business models have seen huge changes. And then you have Key, you have all of these other banks that are large, hundreds of billions of dollars, but they're still not Chase. They're still not Wells Fargo. So in a situation like this, if you run a business and you have hundreds of millions of dollars in funds and payroll and escrows and Mm -hmm. everything else, you've got to know that money's safe. Now, let me say this. Signature Bank this morning, or on Monday, um, was operating just fine. That's what bothers me. I have clients with hundreds of millions of dollars there in the mortgage business. And they're they're fine. fine.
0: Okay, so what bothers some people and me is that if we're in a truly capitalist society shouldn't as they say the forest floor should you know collapse and burn at certain points and then spring up even greener no. and and healthier because the weak were Shaken out.
1: No, you have to forget everything you've ever read about Bag Ho and The Economist and, <laughs> and all of this stuff. No. The thing I learned from Fred Feldkamp, who's a veteran attorney, securities lawyer, is benevolence always gets you more bang for the buck than being miserable. If you put your economy into a deflationary liquidation, okay. you're going to live through the 1930s again. If you throw a little money around, especially to help depositors, that's good. You wipe out the shareholders. You wipe out the bondholders. Which you is have what's to. happening. Right. But you don't victimize the depositors because, okay. frankly, you get much worse effects the next day. Imagine the fellow you were interviewing a few days ago was talking about his tech company and worried about their cash. No. You, you want to make sure that these people who are innocent— <laughs> Don't get killed because you could have ten or a hundred times the losses come about because that company fails.
0: Sure, it could be a horrific.
1: You, you don't want to wave. So Very similar. The, you to have to. You have to draw a line.
0: Lehman collapse, which we well, saw. Uh,
1: that was different. Uh, uh, see, this is
0: why I have Chris because he's explaining to us. More importantly, to our listeners who maybe own a few stocks, is the stock market going to get completely crushed over this situation?
1: I, I would say no. I think that Powell will back off. Um, they're already talking about ending the runoff on the portfolio. Federal Reserve Chair That's right. Powell. So I think they're going to respond, but I also think that Washington right now under the Biden administration is a dangerous place. Why? I mean, they do not have the competency to handle business or financial questions. There are a lot of agency heads right now that are totally lost, and I know this because I talk to the career staff, I talk to the professional civil servants, and they're worried.
0: Well, we don't have a collapse certainly in the wake at the moment of SVB, so one might argue that the people in charge at the Fed and at Treasury and at the FDIC under this administration have done the right thing?
1: Mm, Not yet, no. They've so, done this is too not much. over.
0: You're saying no, this is not
1: over. No, it's not over. We, The Fed has injected such volatility into the economy by intervening in the bond market the way they did. Think of it. It's the same as Silicon Valley Bank. Jay Powell goes out and buys $3 trillion worth of mortgage-backed securities, which the Fed invests on their portfolio, right? Interest rates rise. The value of these securities falls mm. 20%. So the Fed is now sitting on a huge unrealized loss. And in the market sense, the weight of that paper, the duration, as we call it, in technical terms, has gone up fivefold. Those securities are no longer three-year securities. They're now 15 or 20-year securities.
0: This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back.
2: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services.
0: Let's say some of our listeners have a little bit of money right now Mm -hmm. to play with. Okay. Warren Buffett always says that great opportunities come very rarely. And when they do, you should get in there with a bucket, not a thimble. Yes. Meaning start buying things that are on the
1: cheap. That's what I do.
0: Okay. So isn't it a little squirrely to buy some of these banks that are hit hard right now? Or in retrospect, do you believe... Sorry, in in hindsight, maybe a week, a month, a year from now, these will actually have been great buys?
1: Yes. And this is what happened in the first quarter of 2020. In the first quarter of 2020, COVID, we thought the world was going to end. I got rid of all my common shares in banks and I bought preferreds. Because you could buy a lot of them cheap. You had $25 preferreds trading in the teens.
0: And the average person can buy preferreds?
1: Sure. They're very cheap. They're $25 face values. These are fixed income securities. They're way up the capital structure of the bank, above Mm. the common shares. What are you doing now? Well, I have lots of bank preferreds. That's my boring part of the portfolio. And I'm going to go out and buy cheap stocks. I've been buying NVIDIA since it was down at the lows. That's uh, a, a semiconductor That's company. right. Big tech company. Do you Chevron. you ever buy
0: when the market is in the green and moving higher? No. Neither no. does Buffett.
1: No. Why? Why should I buy somebody else's mistake? It's like Bitcoin. I got to look for a greater fool? No. Nah. I want to buy cheap.
0: Should people be nervous if they're banking in, let's just say, City or J.P. Morgan, no. Chase?
1: No. These are government institutions now. They don't go anywhere. We have lobotomized them, neutered them. They are ineffective God. at extending credit right now. No, seriously. City used to be a very high-risk uh, business. Basically, all they have left now is their consumer book, credit cards, and unsecured consumer loans. That's the sexiest thing they got.
0: As we finish... Let me just put this at you. These bank failures, SVB and Signature, weren't these types of situations supposed to be solved after the 2008 financial crisis?
1: Yes, but the trouble is you can't have price stability in terms of inflation. You can't have stable banks if the folks at the Federal Reserve are acting like the Wizard of Oz. They're pushing the buttons and pulling the levers, and they don't understand the impact on the real world mm-hmm. of the decis- decisions they take.
0: Do you think the Federal Reserve should raise rates again?
1: No, I think they should pause and let the balance sheet run off and be helpful.
0: But I thought they were trying to fight inflation. We still have high prices. I yes. know our listeners right now are still looking at their you know, peanut butter and saying, why is this $2 more than it was yeah, but a year ago?
1: The narrative in America is false. Forget about fighting inflation. We are a society that loves inflation, and we provide inflation because we can print as much money by borrowing as much as we want. Until that ends, a discussion about this dual mandate from 1978 is absurd. We should stop it. The Fed should only focus on price stability, because the Treasury provides all the inflation we need.
0: (laughs) You're depressing me, so I want to end on something positive. Well,
1: at least we don't speak uh, Spanish I worked in the the emerging markets, okay? Mm -hmm. I watched Argentina. I watched Mexico. We're on the same road. The only difference is people like the dollar.
0: Well, Chris. Are you still an
1: optimist? I am. I I just bought Western Alliance. Of course, I'm an optimist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's end with that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Liz. On Everyone Talks to Liz. Chris Whalen, bank investor and risk analyst. I hope that explained to you guys a little bit in, in regular terms of how... This all happened with Silicon Valley Bank and now Signature Bank, and uh, we're here. We're here for you to try and explain these things as best we can, because I don't talk down to people, but I also don't. I don't assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. You all are professionals. You work hard. You're very smart, but you might not know the terminology. And that's where we try and come in in, in situations like this. I am here for you. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for listening to Everyone Talks to Liz. And Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, the Claim and Countdown. We have such awesome guests, just like Chris Whalen. So make sure to tune in. Thanks so much want to listen ad free you can do it with a fox news podcasts plus subscription on apple podcasts and then amazon prime members you can listen to this show ad free on the amazon music app